Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. And you know what? Today it's going to be all about parenthood and choosing. And I know that may sound like, okay, what are you talking about, Rick? Well, it's because, you know what? Sometimes becoming a parent is a choice. And then sometimes it's an unexpected surprise. But when you finally decide, you know what? I'm going to become a parent and there's no time like the present. You just make it happen, even if you're like a 30-something and finally realizing it's either now or never, I'm single, and I'm considering starting a same-sex relationship. What, am I crazy for moving all this into place at the same time? Well, yeah, that's kind of what happens. So then you make that crazy decision, and you start getting all the fake smiles of support of, oh, well, good for you, while people are muddling under their breath of, what, are you crazy? Are you stupid? Blah, 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 blah. And then you realize, nope, this is my choice. And that's what we're talking about today with Emma Brox, who is the author of a great book that I have been literally laughing at, just loving so much. And I just told her before we came on there, this is going to become mandatory reading for my two daughters. Her book is an excellent choice, The Panic and Joy on My Solo Path to Motherhood. And what a better way to come out of the closet, live life on your terms, and to interview Emma. And I'm so excited you're here, Emma. Thanks for being here today. Hi, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for such a fantastic intro. Oh, you bet. So as I said, I've really been enjoying this book. And Emma and I have some things in common because we both have two daughters. Of course, mine are like on the other end of the spectrum, almost like self-sustaining. And hers are, well, pretty much mommy needing at this point. But um, And we both are, well, we're kind of the same-sex people that we're in same-sex relationships or have been attracted. So we got lots of interesting stuff to talk about. So, um, so why, why don't we just dive in? So this whole motherhood thing, and mm. I'm going to try to ask questions that maybe you haven't been asked before, but um, when did you know, like literally in your life, that motherhood was like, this is the thing I really want? Was it early, uh, in life, late in life? I think, it, I think it's so hard to un, unpick because the, the honest truth is that I feel like I was conditioned in my own childhood yep. to want this thing. Yep. Um, but, but, it, but I was simultaneously being conditioned to understand that I should aspire to more than my own mother's life. Mm-hmm. Um, even though my mother was a happy person uh, and she adored being a mother and she loved me, she had left school at 16. She never had a career to speak of. And I grew up in the 80s when everyone's mother was trying to raise their daughters not to have that life yep. um, without putting them off the idea of having a family. So I sort of grew up assuming that at some point uh, I would do what my, what my mother had done and have a baby, but I always kicked it down the road like mm-hmm. everybody I knew. All my, all my female friends were like, yeah, one day, one day, one day. Right. And then in that incredibly... Uh, embarrassing cliched way uh, I got to 37 and out of the corner of my eye for the first time could see 40 coming over mm. the horizon <laughs> and uh-huh. I just freaked out oh, wow. that and I didn't even want a kid right then it was still it still felt to me like a hypothetical 
Mm-hmm. But I started to realize that from now on, the longer I left it, the more it would cost me to yep. make this thing happen. And that was very focusing. Well, and that cost you only like financially, but <clears throat> physically and everything else. I mean, I can relate to this because, <clears throat> you know, I didn't come out and give birth to a child. But my wife and I, let's see, I was late, <clears throat> excuse me, late 20s, early 30s when we had our first child. And for us, people were like, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? I'm like, it's not on the horizon. And then one day it kind of was on the horizon. And I had always wanted kids, but it wasn't like, let's go make this happen. You know, I was, no, right. It's like a background assumption yeah, without, yeah. without you having to do anything. It'll be, it'll take care of itself. Yeah, it'll it take care of itself and it'll show up. And yes, in our case, it did just show up. It's like, Oh, yeah. guess what? We're pregnant. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I think I was more excited than my wife in many ways because I immediately, like, as soon as I found, I'm like, okay, let's see the second bedroom. We're going to start this. <laughs> and right. he's like, calm down, boy, calm down. <laughs> so, uh, but as you started to step into this, I'm sure like many of us, you started getting all sorts of advice. And I know a lot of this comes up in the book about here's what this person's saying. This is what this person's saying. And then of course you went through the invertro pathway. So that must've been like, everybody had an opinion. Well, yeah, and everyone is sort of frantically uh, trying to justify their own choices, not in ways that are necessarily overtly hostile or even conscious. But, you know, those of my friends who were happily without children in their 40s were saying, well, maybe you could wait a while. Um, uh, What you said in the introduction was exactly right. And it's funny, I haven't heard it articulated that well before, which is, that superficially, my, my very, very liberal circle of friends were like, yeah, you go, girl. But I, I just knew <laughs> that, yep. that behind that, there was a different conversation going on. Exactly. Like, you yep. cannot possibly be thinking of doing this. You know? And it wasn't even, as for me, it wasn't even a straight cut as having a baby on my own. I feel like you can sell that to people quite cleanly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they understand, but it but it was messier than that. I was, you know, I was in the very early stages of this same sex relationship, and so my committed lesbian friends who were married yep. felt that by not wanting to do it with my partner, I was being homophobic. Is it just because you don't want to be two mommies? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so they were upset, and then uh, you know, anyone who was in a couple didn't understand why I I I, I would choose not to ha- hang on to the life raft of doing it with somebody else. <laughs> Um, you know, that's yeah, an interesting perspective. I never, you know, until you just said that, I didn't think about it. And it's interesting because I've been around many gay and lesbian couples who've gone down this path, but I've never thought about, yeah, so what if you are just starting this whole relationship thing and you're already on the, you know, parent track and that's your decision, but then you kind of bring somebody else into it. Gosh, people are going to throw some big stones at that. It's like, wait, wait, wait. You're supposed to make this is the construct that we all know. This is what exactly. we've been told. This is how you do this, which is such bullshit to begin with. But um, yeah, I didn't think of that. You get very cross because, and it's funny, it just made me sit down and question all of my assumptions, uh, one of which, everything that had been sold to me, which is that, you know, the, the appropriate motivation for having a baby is supposed to be as an expression of love for the person you're dating. <laughs> and that just wasn't where I was coming from. It's like, I want a baby for reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with the fact with the person that I met three weeks ago. How could they? Um, so it seemed to me that the relationship and the baby desire were utterly separate things. Um, that is so interesting for as long as I could. And then, so did you get this? uh, And I know, you know, gay men, we kind of have our interesting little tribal stuff and lesbian women have their little interesting tribal stuff. 
did you get this mostly from your lesbian friends or was it kind of coming from anybody who kind of has looked at the parenting track, been in the parenting track? Was it like coming from everybody or were there certain well, segments of people? I, f- I feel like lesbian high command was particularly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is a high command <laughs> and I love my lesbian sisters. So those yes, of you who are I listening, mean, please understand that I love this, but there is a high command. Yes. I had several uncomfortable dinners with uh, good married lesbian friends of mine who were cross questioning me every which way, but why don't you move in together? You know, mm. what are you doing? Um, and, and, and the, the unspoken, uh, accusation was that this what I was doing was an expression of unstated internalized homophobia which I'm which I'm is willing, crazy I, I mean I but I'm willing to accept that there's a possibility that somewhere in my system that that exists um but I, I honestly thought that there were there were problems that came above that which was that I was just not suited to live with this person it, uh-huh. was, it was nothing to do with what people were saying um uh, well that's so interesting because I one of the most interesting things that happened to me after I came out of the closet which everybody who listens knows and you've got a little preview of this that I came out late in life my daughters were five and like nine months old when this all started to unfold for me. And I actually had people say to me, Oh, you're never going to find a partner because who wants to, who wants to date a guy with kids or who wants to become instant daddy duty without. And I'm like, really, you're just bursting. my. I think I'm just gonna go back in the closet right now, you know, (laughs) because it's like, wait, but I know this is who I am and all of this stuff. And it's all their projection. I mean, and it's not true, right? I mean, it's not true. Nonsense. No, I think so many people want the experience and some are going to do it this way. Others are going to do the way you're doing it. Others are going to be a couple and they're going to decide to have kids. And, you know, it's, guess what? Parenthood is whatever you want it to be and tell the naysayers to go bye-bye is my opinion. But sure, that's, that's I agree. But I mean, what, what continues to fascinate, fascinate me is that we're all so defensive of our own choices. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy that we still feel somehow undermined by the fact that somebody else does it differently mm-hmm. um especially women i think because i think women particularly value themselves and are valued right. according to the personal choices that they that they make of course especially for women i think it's that personal choice stuff it's like oh well look what she did hmm, let's see on a scale of one to ten <laughs> this is where she totally. falls right yeah how much and do i suck yeah exactly actually one of my girlfriends <laughs> who um we used to speak on p-flag panels a lot together and her and her wife um, did in vitro, and Angie actually, Angie's actually been on the show. Angie harvested her eggs right when they met. And she knew she was approaching for, and she goes, I want to harvest my eggs just in case. And she goes, I'm pretty sure that Jill's the one I want to do this parenthood thing with. And she tells the stories about how friends were like, Really? Why are you doing this? This isn't like ordering a cocktail. You know? <laughs> like, she goes, I, You know, they're like, you're going to save your eggs for her. What if this doesn't, she goes, no, I'm harvesting my eggs for parenthood. Yeah. And I actually happen to think it's going to be with this one. And that's exactly what happened. So they harvested Angie's eggs. Jill was actually the incubator. Let's just call it that. And then they had a donor and still people are like, well, that's just kind of weird because I'm like, Oh my God, people get over this crap. (laughs) They had a baby. They love the child. She's a great kid. And, um, it's so interesting to watch. It's no weird. It's, it's, the, everything about it is weird. The entire yes. baby having and raising business is, is a complete, you know. So it is. It is. Mind I, melt. I, well, I, I, have I, a, I have a question for you, yeah. actually. I'm curious. Do you think that if you had come out much earlier, you would have gotten the juice up to do it 
in the context of a same-sex relationship and absolutely i know i I know i was destined to be a parent i just Mm -hmm. i know in my heart of hearts that um that's where i would have ended up and i got really lucky that the my husband who i met about three years after i came out he was really in the parent mode too i don't think he realized it as much until you know we got together and then you know he's been with he's been in my girls lives since they were like you know six and two so um it's just been it's been a really beautiful thing but yes i know hands down i would have taken the parent route somehow some way and i'm not just talking <laughs> four-legged parents no that that wouldn't work for me i need i need the two-legged ones that yeah poop in your face and all that other stuff that well, that, I mean, that's the other hilarious thing is that there's this strand of commentary, which when I think gay and lesbian or any kind of alternative family structure is, is presented to them, say, why didn't you get a cat? And it's like, listen, <laughs> I've, I've owned cats and I've had yeah. children and those two are not the same things. It's, well, just... it's not like you go into the store and go, let's see, hmm, cat, dog, fish, child, cat. Mm, <laughs> this isn't how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't have the same feelings for my cats, God, you know, let them rest in peace right now as I do my child. You know, it's like, no, 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 that isn't the way it works for me. And Mm -hmm. I always find it interesting. The ones who don't have children go, well, that that's interesting. I'm like, okay, explain the word interesting here. (laughs) What are you getting at here? Because there's something in there that for all of us as humans that we make those judgments. And then again, it really has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with them. I'm curious, what is the thing that's surprised you the most about yourself as this parenting thing has taken off? Because I know I could go for a whole hour on all the, you know, now 23 odd years into being a parent. But at the beginning, there were a lot of things that surprised me about myself that I discovered. I have to say, before having had children, I labored under the delusion that I was a relatively even-tempered, rational human being. And it has been utterly horrifying to discover that I'm actually a screaming banshee with a, with a I mean, a, a, the shortest fuse in the world. I mean, I, I have been moved to rage in ways, that, you know, on a daily basis that wouldn't have touched me before I had kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. that in some ways, I mean, that is horrifying, but it's also incredibly uh, liberating to be released from that delusion. <laughs> so. so this is a true confessions moment here. Nobody has ever heard this. I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody. I still remember when my first daughter was born and it, she couldn't have been more than four or five months old at the very most. And I remember one night in the middle of the night, she was just wailing and crying. We'd already fed her and everything. And I, we, we were just, she was just quieting down. We were all just starting to fall asleep and she started in again. And I told my wife, I'll take care of it. And I went into the, her room and under my breath, I'm like, if you don't shut the fuck up, <laughs> I'm going to beat your ass to death when you're five years old. <laughs> I mean, I hear you. And it's like, wait, who is this man? I don't recognize this guy whatsoever because it just, it's like, oh my God. And then it's interesting because throughout the years, there's been other times that suddenly, okay, it's like I gave myself permission to say that under my breath. Yeah. And then uh, throughout the years, there's been times that I have literally said to my kid, all right, I'm done with this. And I'm like, oh my God, I know for me where it comes from is this is the modeling that I saw in my father. Right. And it's like, okay, I need to erase this really quickly. And I say to my kids all the time, because they they get my dad really well. And I'm like, anytime you see me acting like grandpa, I need you to call me on it. And they do. (laughs) That's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's interesting to watch that stuff. But yeah, the the great crazy raving banshee part, I can totally identify with. It's I, insane. It's shocking, isn't it? Uh, it but is I feel grateful to to be more in touch with the entire spectrum of my nature, <laughs> rather rather than. Uh, well, yeah, because I think this is you know I don't want to go clear down the woo woo path, but to me this is when you really see yourself. This is where that sure. whole consciousness and awareness stuff that you know we all. Well, not all of us. There's certain people in the White House that don't. And it, but that and it also, happen. I mean, I don't know. I go, I go back and forth on this. Whether parenthood has made me a night a better person or a worse person, and I guess it's neither. <laughs> but it, 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 I think it has made me more tolerant of everybody's shortcomings because you, you have to in order to give yourself a break. You, you know, you have to extend that outwards. Um, you know, the idea of the, the idea that we're all sold that we're, we're kind of groping our way towards the curation of a perfect life. It's just right. hilarious. I mean, two minutes in and you're just like, okay, well, that, right. that's not going to happen. Right. Well, I think the thing that's interesting about parenthood to me is the things that become so huge. And then a day later, it's like, I don't even remember what was so huge yesterday because now there's something else that's so huge. And each day is a new thing of, okay, that thing. In fact, my daughters pulled this on me not long ago. They're like, so my oldest one, was probably in third, fourth grade, <clears throat> my, or third grade. My youngest one was in kindergarten. They went to the same elementary school. We're sitting at you know dinner um, six months ago and having conversations about what it was like for them when I first came out of the closet. Hmm. And my youngest one, who's like our like, just tell it like it is, no bullshit. She's just gonna say whatever comes to mind. She goes, oh yeah, I she goes, I used to get so mad at Shelby when we were at school, and she'd say, don't say anything about dad being gay. We don't want to talk about that. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where did this come from? Yeah. You know, and I'd never heard it before. And then we had a great conversation about it, but it is that awareness and that interesting stuff that starts to crop up that you go, Oh, okay. Now I got to learn from this too. So, um, but so it's terrific that she can bring that up. I mean, that's, that's the environment you want to create, right? Where all of this stuff can be just. Well, yes. And I think this is where I'm going to say, this is where I believe same sex parents or even transgender parents done right give their children the leg up yeah i totally because agree because they are going to go into the world with an open mind now here's the caveat to that those of us who come out of the closet from previous heterosexual marriages you kind of have to have the other side of the equation doing the same work they they can't be you know bashing you and saying what a son of a bitch you were for coming out mm. blah, blah, blah. Right. but but i think done right the same sex parents give their kids this beautiful gift of here's what empathy, here's what tolerance, here's what yeah. acceptance really looks like. Here's what rejection can be like. And God, it equips the kids with so much. I mean, yeah. my kids, my two daughters, nobody gets away with pulling crap on them. They really? will stand up. They will say, this is how it is. They don't, you know, my oldest daughter goes, okay, I'm going out with the gays tonight. <laughs> like, okay, great. You know, we're off to the, we're off to go wine tasting or have a cocktail or something. And she'll be posted on her Instagram feeds and everything. I'm out with the gays tonight. I'm like, okay, you know, I love it, but you know, Hey, your dad's okay. You can call <laughs> so, um, so one of the things that I found so humorous um, in, in some of the stuff I've read in the book and then some of the bios and stuff was this juxtaposition for you with the healthcare. <laughs> in yeah. the US versus the UK. Cause I used to work in the UK. So um, I have some, I have some understanding there, but um, why is this such a 
just complete mess. And especially for someone like you, it's like, okay, here I am now I'm doing this. And oh my God, you're jumping through hoops. What does that whole mess look like from your perspective? Oh my gosh. I'm still not over it. I mean, I have to say, I think I could live here for the rest of my life and I would never stop being unnerved by the way you guys do healthcare. Oh, it's <laughs> insane. It's just insane. It's insane. But not even just the money, although that is 90% of it, but just yes. to anyone who's grown up under socialized healthcare systems in Europe, the idea of being given a, a choice in the matter is really frightening for us because to me, it feels like I'm being asked by my airline to choose a pilot. And it's like, you know what? I want you to make that choice because I do not have sufficient criteria to make this choice. Exactly. And that's what it felt like when I came here and I was shopping for a doctor. I mean, how do I know? I have no idea. I don't, I don't want to look at... Um, you know, spreadsheets and try and figure out this guy versus this guy. And in any case, it only ever comes down to who your insurer will approve. But right. it, it just goes against the grain of everything we've been taught. Like you grow up in Britain and, you know, the health healthcare, so the NHS is not perfect by any means. Right. But you grow up in Britain with understanding that you are not a consumer in a marketplace, that this is a birthright, that everyone yeah. has, you know, at least notionally the right to be taken care of from the cradle to the grave. Yep. And you come here, and of course, the message that is not the message. The message is you're on your own. Yeah. Uh, and if you can afford it, then great, good for you. And if you can't, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you suck. Um, and it's and it's insane and and particularly in the fertility world i mean I, I actually was very i became very ambivalent about it because because fertility is an elective yep. area of healthcare actually if you have the money available it, I, I'm sure I ended up getting a much better level of treatment in New York than I would have done in London yeah. just because the, the open, the free market here and the, and the level of competition between fertility doctors in New York means that it's just a much higher level of service. So I, I'm a beneficiary of, of a thing that I deeply disapprove about. Yeah. Um, and I, and I would, the fact is I wouldn't have had twins in London. There's no way I would have been medicated to the extent I was <laughs> um, because my clinic in New York was, was completely results driven. Yeah. Um, so to them, twins was like, Hey, high five. Yeah. Um, so and, uh, what was that to you when it, I mean, when it was twins, was it the high five or was it the, Oh shit. Now what? Well, I mean, it was, thank God, because a week earlier it had been quadruplets. So uh, oh. I, uh, not, which did, by the way, did not phase my, my fertility doctor at all. He was completely chilled about this because it probably happened every week at that yeah, clinic. Yeah. And he said, oh, you know, this happens all the time. A few extra fertilized for insurance and they tend not to work out. Right. Um, and then sure enough, two of them just evaporated in the first week. And then I was left with twins. Mm. At which point it seemed to me compared to quadruplets, like it was the bargain of the century. So I was like, <laughs> oh, only two. I can definitely cope with that. Oh, <laughs> so. uh, I don't know how you can cope with that because I have two and they were four years apart. And it's like, okay, it was like, I guess, I guess I can, can compare it to it's either the sprint or it's like the relay. And I feel like I've been living the relay. It's like, okay, they're four years apart. So this one gets done with this. Okay. We've already been through this. Now we get to go do it again. And in your case, and I have some good friends who are actually um, friends of my youngest daughter who they have twins. They have a boy and a girl. And so we've kind of watched them grow up and I'm like, I don't know how you do it. It's just, it's insane. And it, and it, and you're right. That's exactly the analogy. It is like a sprint. So adrenaline gets you through yep. and you know, Milky ways, <laughs> and uh, Toblerone is the thing that's keeping me going right now. <laughs> um, and, 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 and the thing is, the, the upside of it is, apart from the fact that I adore both of them uh, to the ends of my soul, but yeah. it's, it's the fact that 
I am relieved of the burden of thinking it can be perfect because it is such a shit show <laughs> most yeah. days. And, and not in bad ways particularly, but I think if I had had one, my instinct would have been to helicopter and to, to have been over anxious. And, you know, I, I, I would have worried as a single parent with, a, with an only child that I would have relied on them too much emotionally as a friend, you know, which my mother definitely did with me. I was an only yeah. child of an older mother. I had a lovely dad, but my mum treated me like an adult when I was, but you know, from the time I was about six years old mm. and I kind of didn't want to do that with my girls. And I think gotcha. the fact that there are two of them means that they are the kids in yeah. a, in a very, you know, in inverted commas, normal way. Yeah. And to me that feels healthy. Um, and, and it, and it relieves them of the burden of having to, having to be the sole focus of my love and attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think, you know, if you've had kids in a slightly alternative way, it can only help for them to have someone, down the line who they can turn to and say what the hell did she think she was doing this is absurd <laughs> um, so <laughs> oh yes but they let me tell you even in traditional ways they will think what the hell were they doing this is absurd. yeah so, <laughs> I've had everybody people... says that well it's because yeah. i'm an only child i never had that so i had yeah. to write a memoir <laughs> well, I, I to but so that's my that was really my next question i know you've probably been asked this a hundred different ways but i don't want to ask why did you write the book what i want to ask is if the book hadn't been written, then what? Do you know, I think I wouldn't have forced myself to properly think through what it is I had done. And I think the very least I owed my girls was um, a fully realized account of how they came to be born. Um, And I think I still had quite a lot of shame in my system as I sat down to write the book. And I know I did because the first draft was returned to me by my editor (laughs) and I was told to give it an, an, you know, another year of thought because I was avoiding all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And I was still deeply ashamed. And I felt that what I had done, I knew it wasn't second best, but I, I was still defensive about it. Um, and so I owed it to them to sit in a chair for two years Mm -hmm. and, you know, deal with it. (laughs) Um, and, and then I owed it to them to be able to talk about it publicly. That was the main thing. I felt myself, I felt when people asked about the girls, I had that knee-jerk instinct to lie. And that wouldn't do. That absolutely wouldn't do. Um, and so the, the quickest and the easiest way I knew to get around that was to write a book about it and be contractually obliged to publicize it in, mm-hmm. in ways that I couldn't avoid. So You know, it's so interesting that you say that because it's very similar to what happened when I wrote my book. First of all, I got, I, I didn't have an, I didn't, well, I did have an editor, but I didn't have a major publishing house behind me, but I got through the first draft and I started reading and I'm like, Oh my God, this has the right content, but it's not me. It's, right. it's not my voice. It, it, it was, but it wasn't. It was, it's what I call Rick's author voice or Rick's speaker voice. I, I do this shit to myself all the time. It drives me nuts. It's like, okay, I get ready to do a new speech. It's like, okay, I just did the speaker voice. Now we got to bring it down and we got to put the bitchy diva voice in and then everything will be fine. But it was so interesting because as I read the book, I went, okay, here's the content, but this isn't what I want people to hear. This isn't what I want my girls to read. This isn't mm. what I want, you know, my ex-wife to understand that it isn't any of this. And it isn't what I want people to learn from this, even though the intent was quite honestly, it was my cleansing. It was like, yeah. okay, get this out of my system. And it just happens that now it's helping people, you know, do their thing. And it sounds like that's exactly what it was for you. The same thing. It's like, I could really care less if nobody ever read the book except my Oh, kids. totally. 
it, you like it's, it's two things you have to get to a position where you are comfortable with all of this so that you yep. can so that your children can be comfortable with it that's the bare mm-hmm. minimum right yep. and and then on top of that do you know i got to a point where i was i was kind of proud i was proud of them i was proud of myself having gone through this and it wasn't a question of trying to disguise how difficult it was quite the opposite i think it, i think you have to own to the fact that it's tricky and it takes years of thought and there are all these like pockets of shame that you yep. have to negotiate yep. and 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 then and then you do it and you're like oh my gosh i can't believe i even came close to not doing it because mm-hmm. i was worried about what people were going to think and that's the takeaway for me and the thing and the, and the thing as a parenting lesson i want to give to my girls which is there are going to be times in your life when your people are going to try and make you feel ashamed of something in your life. And probably this is going to be one of those things mm-hmm. and you just have to crush through it. Yep. Yep. You know, it's interesting because you and I have some very similar parallels. You, you did this whole becoming a parent late in life. I came out late in life. And one of the things that I feel like it gave me the best piece of my life so far was I'm going to be okay. Even if I'm late to this quote game, so to speak, mm. I'm still going to be okay. And that's well, the big difference. That is, but it must be, I mean, from your point of view, that's interesting because I wonder if you felt like a, a kind of two headed shame, which was on the one mm-hmm. hand, the shame of being gay, yep. whichever, you know, and then on the other hand, a shame of the shame of not having been okay enough about it to have come out sooner. <laughs> I mean, like you were, well, you were I actually did. I actually came out at 19 and then because right. of some pressure from parents and stuff, I went back in the closet. Uh, and I'm okay with that because I said, I've said this numerous times on the podcast. I don't actually believe I'd be having this conversation with you if I had come out at 19 because I came out right at the beginning of the AIDS epidemic. Mm. And I was so naive and sexually not ready that I would have probably just said, oh, yeah, let's get naked and do this. And I wouldn't even know what I was doing. And then boom. But what I think the gift is here is I came out exactly when I was meant to. And you decided to have these beautiful girls exactly when you were meant to. Yes, there was a pressure and there was like, okay, it's either now or never, you know, shit, let's get this done. Mm -hmm. But I think each of us, when we can embrace when we do what we do, it's exactly when we're meant to do it. And when we get hung up in the other areas, whether it's because somebody else is like, oh, why are you, did you wait so long? Or don't you think you should (laughs) wait a few more years? It has nothing to do with us. It's we're doing it exactly when we're meant to be there and doing it. You're, you're totally right and it's funny on that on on those little voices one of the responses i've had to this book is that so i happened to freak out when i was 37 i mean mm-hmm. and so uh i had the girls when i was 39 and i've had uh women in their sort of early to mid 40s who have got very cross because they've said well why have you identified 37 as the time to freak out you know 43 is the time you should and it's like listen <laughs> ladies <laughs> Call it when you want. I'm just right. saying <laughs> you know, that these are the uh, options that are available to you at, ever, at whichever point you happen to fall off into the deep end. You know, um, Elizabeth Gilbert said something, and I don't remember. I don't know whether it was a Eat, Pray, Love interview I heard her on, or maybe it's something she says in Big Magic. But she said, I've had so many people tell me, oh, my God, you've inspired me. Now I'm going to go do my own Eat, Pray, Love. It was Eat, Pray, Love. Eat, Pray, Love journey. And she goes, I don't want to be held responsible for that really yeah and that's that what i feel it's like okay yeah i want you to if my book inspires you to do something but please don't hold me responsible for you doing the journey because you think you got to do it when i did it there is no magic the magic moment is when it's your magic moment plain and simple you know yeah. and that's one of the biggest messages i feel like i've given my daughters is 
yeah, dad came out late in life. Things could have been a lot different, but you know what? It happened when it was meant to happen. And look at what I've now been able to do. Look at where I've gone. Look at, and so don't get hung up on where somebody else is or where you think you need to be because of where somebody else is. When it's your moment, it's your moment. And you just, and those moments come every day, quite honestly. Totally. And, and also, of course, that, you know, in, in, your, in, the, in, the, in the case of your particular journey, we all know that the hardest thing in life is to change course. <laughs> like that, yep. is, that is the difficult thing. Yeah. Well, the same in yours. I mean, you changed course in a huge way. It's like, okay, I'm going to be mommy now. And boom. Yeah, and I felt so embarrassed. I really did. It was so weird. Like the social pressure I felt on me to not turn into the woman who is suddenly desperate for a child. It felt mm-hmm. aesthetically displeasing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. And then I thought, am I, re- am I really going to let that criteria dictate the next 50 years of my life? But it did. It felt like a feminist failure. I, I didn't think I was supposed to be feeling this. Um, so That's that so interesting, took though. six months of, you know, dealing with. But, you know, here's what's interesting. You talk about, you know, your feminist failure. I talk about my failure of not coming out sooner. And I've shared this on the podcast a couple of times, too. But I come from a slightly different angle. I was working with a client a couple of days ago, and he's in his 50s. And he's just beginning to really navigate the dating journey over the last year. And he's like, I don't really get it. These younger guys are really into me. You know, they're 30 something and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, you know what? You're not meant to get it. Just go with it because it's going to guide you where you need to go. That's the thing. When we question and we sit there and we keep continuing to question all this stuff, that's when we're going to screw ourselves up. And I think just being able to say, okay, yep, I'm going to become a mommy and here we go. Or I'm coming out of the closet. Um, It's very interesting. In fact, um, I have so many young people. This will blow your mind. Well, probably won't blow your mind, but you'll, you'll relate to it. Who are in their 20s and they're picking up my book, Frankly, My Dear, I'm Gay, A Late Bloomer's Guide to Coming Out. Okay, so no, there's really. the key subtitle, A Late yeah. Bloomer's Guide. And at 24, they're like, yeah, your book has helped me so much because I'm so late to the game. I just <laughs> fuck the shit out of them and go, please, please, please. But to them, because yeah. they're coming out at 8, 9, 10, 12, yeah. 14 these yeah, days, cool. yeah. they are late to the game. So, um, of course, I don't think that would really work in this whole let's conceive a child. Oh, I'm no, late to the no, game. No. I'm 18. No, 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 no. We don't want to go that route. But uh, Well, except that, you know, the average age, I think, in this country, the average age of first-time motherhood is something like 29, 28, yeah, 29. Yeah, yeah. So I know women who uh, at 34 are doing this, and I find that internal disapproving mechanism of mine being triggered. And I'm like, 34, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You've yeah. got, you like, why are you jumping the gun? And of course, you know, it, it, which is ridiculous. Well, but it's the same old stuff that anything, especially yeah. those of us that are gay and lesbian, it's like, it's because society says this is what you're supposed to be. Exactly. You right. Know? And this is where the bullshit arises. And this is why I stand so firmly on this platform that I get to share of living a life uncloseted is about making the bold move to live life on your terms. It's yeah. your terms. nobody else's but yours and um i just i think it's so important to go down that route so um so what's next i mean i love this book i mean we could you and i could both write write multiple books on all this sort of stuff but what's next for you you oh gosh i have no idea i mean i would quite like to take a break from writing about myself (laughs) thinking about i should i feel like i should sit down and write a biography of churchill or something just to cleanse my palate but I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I have a day job. I'm still, I write for a, a newspaper. Um, right. There's a, there, there, there may be a TV show in the works of, yeah. of this story. I don't know. I mean, these things tend not to come to fruition. I hope yeah. it does. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm just hanging out with my girls mm-hmm. and, you know, trying, 
you know, it, I, even this language makes me cringe, but I'm trying to be slightly less goal oriented now, <laughs> you know? And I think that's another thing about having had them at this yeah. point. It's just like, and relax, <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just chill out for a minute. Yes, there's a friend of mine who that is her mantra, and relax. That's what she says all the time. It's just, and relax. And she has taught me that very well because I'm like you. It's like, hmm, no goals? Okay, well, then what? And it's like, no, Rick, you need to learn the and relax place because I could go, 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 go. And, well, uh, and you know you're doing it wrong when you scream relax. Sometimes I'm like, relax. <laughs> I shriek at my children. I'm like, okay, that's a mixed message. <laughs> oh, yes. And there's so many, so many more times that you're going to want to scream that in the years ahead. Trust me. And I know you've heard that from many, many people. I don't want to be one of those people that say, oh, just wait. Oh, just wait. Because I, that's one of the things that bug me most about parenting is, oh, just wait. Or, well, let me tell you what to, I'm like, okay, that's nice stuff that you're sharing. But can I like, be a little surprised once in a while. Yes, right. Can right, I just right. kind of figure some of this out myself, you know? And, and of course, as soon as I said that, then of course, because I have two daughters, I got blessed with, you know, guess where they were when they had their first periods? They were with dad, not with <laughs> mom. Both of them with dad. Now, luckily, of course, once the first one happened, I'm like, okay, I'm prepared for this. But then I really wasn't prepared for the second one because the second one was a whole different episode of complete freak out in the middle of the night, trying to get to somewhere that I could get stuff. And the, I was just, oh my gosh, I have never even given this a second thought. I yeah, I, I, I <laughs> sorry, am just, didn't mean to like roll you forward ten years. Trying to get down the cool. Room. Yeah, but, <laughs> no, no. It, it's amazing the stuff that you're like, okay, I didn't even think about. And, and, but, and then you forget from your like I, all the, the things that I'd forgotten like weeing in public places yeah, and, I, and yes. the minute they did it I was like oh my god I remember my mother holding me in parking lots weeing yeah. onto her shoes because yeah. like it's like all this stuff comes flooding back yep yeah, yeah yeah and then there's going to be the you know the first dates that the first breakups it's like okay you know the first oh, time wow. you catch them sneaking out of the house and go really who who are you I'm they not don't do this. this yeah you know but um and then when they say oh yeah i've been smoking pot for like eight months i'm like okay i told you to tell me it's okay to tell me this stuff and you didn't and now of course one of the favorite family things that happens for us is <clears throat> our oldest daughter she loves wine now. She, you know, she's 20 some years old. She's grown into it. She's had a, her, her, her journey into cocktailing and all that stuff. And then the youngest one, we've let her drink a few times. And my oldest one's like, you never let me do that. <laughs> I'm like, you never said you wanted to. We <laughs> said you could do this. And so every time it's that now yours is going to be different because they're kind of the same age. So there's never going to be, well, there probably will be. It's like, they'll have the, well, I was born first. Thing. Oh Yeah. That, I see good. that. I see the two-minute difference is about mm. to become an issue. <laughs> it is. Trust me. The twins that are in our life, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they talk that all the time. Who gets to use the car? Well, I do because I was born first. Seriously? Yeah. This is how we're going to define what gets done in the house? So, um, But it's so interesting. So, Well, Emma, I, have, I could talk to you for hours. I think we could have so much fun just continuing to unravel the parent life and all this sort of stuff. But this has been such a cool pleasure, and I'm so excited about the book. I hope it's doing really well for you. We'll have direct links to the book and where people can buy it on the show page. And um, any parenting advice you want to leave someone about just, or, or advice about taking the journey of, yes, I'm going to go live my life on my terms and, and have my kids because this is what's important to me. Um, that's a good question. I, I, 
I'm trying not to, it's, it's funny, it's exactly the thing you said about the Liz Gilbert anxiety, which is not to tell people to go and do what you did, <laughs> which is not the point at all. Yeah. It's, it's that I think it's okay for the decision to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. And that is not an indication that it's the wrong decision. Um, it took me 18 months of anxiety and dithering and stress to make this decision and I think that's okay. It means that I had my children thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think the thing you have to be most um, prescient of is, is why you're making the decision and why you might not be making a decision to do some radical thing in your life. And, and the, the main takeaway I have is, you know, to have, you know, to, to use my own example, to, to have a kid on your own may or may not be the right thing for you. But to not do it because your primary concern is that it will look like you're weird or that your parents will disapprove or that, mm -hmm. like the thing that I worried that it would look like I couldn't get anyone to shag me. Um, that, that is not <laughs> the reason yeah. to do anything or not do anything. So, you know, and my mother always used to say to me, have the courage of your insane convictions. And that mm -hmm. has to be the end point. It, ha it has to be. However long it takes you to get there, carry on thinking about it until you do. I love that. I love it because it is those insane decisions that are most of the time the exact decision you're supposed to make. They are. They generally are, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, there are times that people have asked me, so why did you just make the decision to come out? You had a good life. You had a great family. And, and it's like, because it was the most insane thing I could do to be happy. Right, right. And because it's a hard road, the very fact that it keeps you awake at night for months and years, when there's an easier path that you could take, it generally means that, that really the choice has already been made. Somewhere in your system, that choice has been made yeah. and you just have to yeah. get your feet to do the yeah. walking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that is awesome, awesome advice that nobody has to take. We're just throwing it out there. <laughs> You're right. Don't Whatever say this because she said this is what you do. But uh, I think it is actually really great guidance there. And uh, I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. I'm, uh, I'm so glad we got connected and wishing you much, much success for, well, parenthood for sure. It's been awesome. Thank you <laughs> yeah. so much, Rick. No, thank you so pleasure. much. All righty. Take, take care. care. All right. There you have it. Another episode of Life on Closet it has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life on closet. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like, and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today, share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are, maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life on closet. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone. <laughs>